This program is not intended to diagnose, cure, or treat any disease or disorder. The listener is encouraged to seek sound medical advice from their doctor or other qualified healthcare practitioner before taking any supplements or starting a new health regimen. Welcome to the Nutrition Heretic, Episode 3, our first show of 2016. Happy New Year. It's January 5th, which means that you're probably still having to use whiteout on your checks. <laughs> I know I do. So it, it takes me a, a little while to adjust to that whole New Year thing. Uh, Adrian Hugh, my co-host, and the Nutrition Heretic herself. Uh, yes, sir. We've just got through the, you know, the the holiday season. People are, you know, thinking about resolutions and all that stuff. And what kind of health resolutions can can people be making now that you know can really sort of lead them on a on a on a journey towards better living and better lifestyle and better well being, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Well, as you know, most people, I, I would guess at least, most people are making resolutions to get skinny. I'm going to fit into that bathing suit. And what people don't realize is that getting skinny and being healthy are not necessarily synonymous terms. So I would suggest that people focus on just getting the out of their diet. You know, really just, just focusing on real food. What's, and the easiest way for me to do that is to focus on what's available in my area. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I live in Hawaii and everything grows year-round, which is true. However, even when I used to live in New Jersey, I would get my vegetables from a local farmer's market, or not farmer's market, a local co-op, and that co-op would store root vegetables. So if you are in a colder climate, you can do root vegetables with soups. Uh, you know, this is one of the reasons why I, I think it's kind of ridiculous, particularly if you live in that kind of climate, climate to go for something like a vegan diet where you're 100% beholden to just, you know, a handful of things. Uh, if anything, living in a colder climate, you are, you should be eating more animal products, more stews and uh, soups made from chicken and beef and lamb and things like that. So really... And iceberg lettuce. Oh God! You're gonna really, you're really gonna throw iceberg lettuce at me. <laughs> Do you know what iceberg lettuce is? <laughs> no, I, I just figured it was something that we grew up here in Canada, and that's why they call it iceberg lettuce. No, you know what iceberg lettuce is, man? It's, it's lettuce. It's, it's probably like the original GMO. It's, it's lettuce that was bred to travel long distances without changing shape. So it's somewhere between like margarine and your standard GMOs. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's in, it's incredibly difficult to digest. Kind of like Kona coffee is what you're trying to tell me. <laughs> trying to say, hey, hey, Kona coffee is some of the best coffee in the world. <laughs> it's Colombian coffee growing in volcanic soil. Come on. Uh, yeah, but it's still Kona. Actually, uh, Kona now is taking a back seat to some of the other areas. Because there's six hundred, uh, there's over six hundred producers in Kona alone. Wow! So, uh, like up where I am, uh, Kohala and Hamakua, we've got some coffees that are much better than a, a lot of the Kona coffees. And then Kau, which is south of Kona, like way the hell south of Kona, uh, they have better coffee than Kona. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the thing I love about you is it's so easy to get you off on a tangent. Yes, uh, yes, it, it is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 
it's probably a bad thing. And so, I do it to myself most of the time. So you were saying about these small resolutions, these these small steps, and and, and one of the things to focus on is 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 local fresh foods, fresh markets. But you know, uh, what does the you know the the the, the soccer mom or the hard pressed dad or you know or even worse the single parent do to I mean, you know, they can't necessarily, you know, they don't have the time or it's not convenient to go to a farmer's market or or, or something like that. So uh, you're saying there's other options out there that they can well, explore? Well, you, people have to prioritize. And maybe that's the best resolution of all is to prioritize what's important to you. And you and I have discussed this before personally that uh, we, when things are important to us, we really learn how to focus. So you have to decide what's more important. Is it, I'm not going to name any names, but somebody I know very well in my family uh, says the same thing. Person's got gobs of money. You know, oh, I don't have time. I don't have the money. I can't afford it. Spends $300 a week at Whole Foods. Eats out four days a week because it's too time consuming to cook. Yet is spends probably four hours a month at the doctor's office with their kids. Hmm. You know, so, I- you know, a, a lot of people don't really realize that by making that switch, by prioritizing the meal, they'll probably spend a lot less time at the doctor's office. They'll spend a lot less time waiting for prescriptions to be filled at the pharmacy. They'll spend a lot less time researching what the hell is wrong with them on the internet. What? So it's a, it's a matter of just shifting priorities and, and making a little change here and there. You know, you don't have to take it all on at one time. Maybe it's just learning a new dish this week. Well, and since you mentioned, and that's a great, yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, when you're looking at your house and you're saying, I just can't, I just can't motivate myself to clean it. Well, don't clean the whole house. Just clean the bathroom today and then clean another room tomorrow. Right. Uh, or, or, you know, what? that's actually, that's a perfect example of something that I do. Uh, sometimes, for example, I will, let's just say I put a stew on the stove, right? And it's sitting there, or I put a piece of toast in the toaster oven. You know, I can, I can clean up a decent chunk of my kitchen while I'm waiting for that toast to be toasted. You know, I could put uh, napkins out and, you know, get the plates together, empty the dishwasher. I mean, there's so many little things that we can do to fill that gap where the active time of cooking in most cases is not ridiculous. And I should mention that, you know, Google is your friend because I know that I can't speak for any other areas, but I know here where I live, there are farmers who run um, kind of what they've done is they've they've cordoned off a chunk of their uh, of their crop for what they call. I I think they call them food clubs or something like that. And what happens is there are two options. You can either have you know, you can order your vegetables from this food plot and then go up and pick them yourself or some of them, and it's usually a monthly or yearly fee you pay them, yeah. or for a same kind of similar financial arrangement, they will actually deliver that produce to your Absolutely. house. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, there are so many ways out of it. It's just, it's just getting out of your rut and uh, looking forward to something new. And it's really great to see when people do start to embrace trying to eat different foods, you know, new foods, getting... Uh, accustomed to cooking more regularly, even if they're just doing it once a week. Like when I was single back in the day, I used to just set aside my entire Sunday afternoon because nobody was around anyway. You know, half my friends were nursing hangovers or whatever. And so I would just take all day Sunday and I would cook pretty much 
all of my meals for the week. I'd make like a big pot of chili and a roast a chicken and, you know, make a couple of sides, ha- wash up all my vegetables. So when I wanted to make a salad, all I had to do was chop it. There's so many ways around it. It's just, again, it's just taking time to, to reassess what's important to you. Yeah. I, I, and, I, you know, the biggest, I think, the, you know, the most interesting advice is just trying that one new dish each week and, you know, not over planning for it either. Because, you know, I mean, life is what happens while you're making other plans. So, uh, you know, if you can, if you can try that, I, I think that probably the best thing for somebody like me is to try that dish, you know, get my daughter in the kitchen with me on a Saturday, cook up, you know, a new dish, freeze right. it. Reserve it during the week. And you know what? Sometimes it's not even necessarily making a new dish. It's just swapping out ingredients. Because, for example, table salt. Most people don't realize that salt isn't bad for you. It's the they put in regular table salt that's bad for you. It, first of all, the, the salt is dried at super high temperatures. Uh, and then, um, you know, which totally denatures it. Then they add all kinds of desiccants, flour, and all this stuff to, you know, help keep it flowing nice through the little salad shaker. I'm sorry, salt shaker. Um, and, you know, they, they, it's just, a, it's, it's pure sodium. But when you use real sea salt, real Celtic sea salt, and I, I talk about this in particular in a, a book that I wrote called Drowning in Eight Glasses, where I talk about the fact that a lot of people drink too much water and end themselves up in the hospital. Uh, but uh, salt in its natural state is actually very, very balanced in minerals. And that's the whole reason you drink water in the first place is for the minerals. Uh, but, you know, just getting back to salt, if you make that one switch from cheap ass, disgusting, pure sodium uh, uh, table salt to something like a French Celtic sea salt or uh, down in the... Um, Southwest of the country, there's one called real salt, uh, something like that, or Himalayan salt. Any of those real healthy salts. I hate to use the word healthy because it sometimes it just doesn't mean anything anymore. Uh, but if you use just a real version of salt, that's that sometimes is one of the most important things that you can do. So it's not even necessarily changing your diet. It's more about elevating the quality of the ingredients. So it's just getting yourself to start thinking a little bit differently. And it's funny how people suddenly find themselves becoming gourmet chefs in the process as well, because they're going, you know, I used to like this dish, but now I love this dish. This is actually tastes really good. And it's just by changing the ingredients. Yeah, that's I, I mean, you know, it does take it. It takes effort, especially as a parent, not to fall into that. Well, the kid will eat craft dinner and that's what she wants. So that's what she's getting. And we'll go into this another time, but that's BS. Because I have kids, I have had kids eat everything in my house from, and there's always stuff that the, the parents said, my kid would never touch this. I have, I've had kids eat real macaroni and cheese when they're, I had one kid actually lick my daughter's thermos because he wanted to get at the mac and cheese because his mom was giving him craft and I had some leftovers from Thanksgiving. I was like, I'm going to give this to my kid. And he like, he literally grabbed the thermos as the mom saying, Oh, my kid would never eat that. He would never eat it. He only likes the boxed one. And he literally took the lid and just went to town on it. He was like licking it like, you know, like he had pica or something. First lesson, you know, the first lesson I learned with, with, as a parent was that, if they don't eat it the first time, they might eat it the next time. You just can't assume that they're not going to, you know, that they, if, if it's a slightly different presentation or even the same presentation, um, 
is 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 going to be yummy to them. I mean, my my daughter thinks asparagus is absolutely awesome. Right. I can't stand well, the stuff. <laughs> but you know what? We'll we'll go into a, we'll do a whole show on kids one day. Good. Uh, but but uh, one of the things that uh, I always say to people is that if you want your kid to eat better food then make better food more exciting and what i mean by that is that we tend to set aside for example the birthday party every freaking birthday party has the pizza and it's like it's it's as like as it's as if pizza is the only fun food when my kids have birthday parties i'm like slicing you know roasting lamb i'm serving kebabs i'm <laughs> doing all kinds of stuff and the kids they're having so much fun they don't even realize what's going on and they just eat it you know sometimes we'll do things like uh, theme parties that you know like on a friday night we'll watch karate kid and make sushi and it totally changes the way they perceive food that is otherwise considered healthy you know that we we would like them we'd like to see them eat but we always put it in a context where it was associated with some kind of drudgery so you mean if i'm gonna serve her steak and potatoes i should watch a john wayne movie with her maybe that's it maybe that's the (laughs) (laughs) i i mean that's that's interesting that's that's very interesting uh but you know the the idea is to bring some kind of you know family time fun together and uh and then serve the appropriate food. Yeah. I'll put it this way at a princess party there's no reason to have pizza. We we did when my my daughter went through that phase we did finger sandwiches. Yeah, we've we've done that too. I mean, we've done um you know uh English tea parties and uh I don't think we've tried the cucumber sandwiches uh yet. It's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why people put, would you like a cucumber sandwich? What's in it? Oh, just cucumbers? Well, that's pretty dumb. Uh, <laughs> a watercress. Yeah, it's, you know, it's like, who, would you like a lettuce sandwich? That's not a sandwich. That's, that's... Wait, so wait, how do you say sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I haven't said A once, so you guys are just going to have to deal with the Canadian here. Um <laughs> Sandwich. I think you put an R in there. Isn't there an R in there? It's silent. <laughs> we we're Canadians. We roll our W's. Okay. So, and never mind. I was going to say something, but I'm just going to let that one go. I, Adrian, I think it's now in, at least in my best interests at this point if we introduce our guest today. <laughs> Yes, I think I think you're right. <laughs> We've babbled on a little too much maybe today. Uh, our our guest today is Lynn Johnston from Small Steps to Healthy Eating. Hello, hey guys. Lynn. Hi, guys. Hi, Lynn. It's so good to have you on the show. I've I've known you uh, mostly through internet circles. Actually, only through internet circles. Uh, and uh, we've become kind of Facebook and Skype friends. Uh, over the years, and uh, I was actually really impressed with your story, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show. So um, you went through some pretty serious health issues, and you've changed that all around, and and, uh, I'd like to know more about your story because 
if I remember correctly, you consulted with doctors, but they didn't really have much to offer you in the way of healing. Is that correct? That's very true. <laughs> um, I had a, a complete and total health breakdown um, in my 20s. It started um, It started right after I took um, uh, sulfa antibiotics that I was allergic to. Um, and that was kind of like, I think that was the last straw. <laughs> my health had been just kind of like on the edge and that those antibiotics pushed me over. I ended up having a series of health challenges um, that resulted in me after four years of seeing doctors and no one being able to tell me what was wrong with me. Um, I ended up getting uh, diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Okay. At any point, did they just tell you that it was all in your head and that you should go see a psychologist? Oh, pretty much everyone I visited. They're like, there's clearly nothing wrong with you. You're just, you're depressed. You're, you're lazy. You're not exercising enough. You're not, you're not, there was always something that I was not doing that demonstrated that it was like not a real problem. So, so basically they threw their hands up in the air and said, <laughs> you're, <laughs> sucks to be you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then when I did finally get a doctor who recognized that I had an actual illness, um, she prescribed painkillers and antidepressants for me. Oh, wow. And I said, um, okay, so how long do I take these before I'm cured? And she says, oh, there's no cure for fibromyalgia. You just keep taking these for the rest of your life and let me know if you want a higher dose. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> what's, yeah, so that what's was her number? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can I? Pay, does she have a pager? <laughs> Sorry. For your own good, I'm not going to tell you her name. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I think there are a lot of doctors who I think fibromyalgia is basically um, a wastebasket diagnosis that a lot of doctors and they're like, oh, you're tired, you're having a lot of weird symptoms, maybe some muscle aches, we're not sure. Let's call it fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue. Yeah. Um, so getting diagnosed was a great first step, but it also didn't really help me get any better. <laughs> um, I ended up having to do a lot of research, um, and all the research, of course, from the medical establishment at the time was basically saying, sorry, there's no cure, there's nothing you can do, you can take guaifenesin, and that might suppress some of your symptoms, um, or you can just take the antidepressants and painkillers for the rest of your life. Um, so the only place left for me to go was um, natural healing and, and nutritional healing. Um, I spent a lot of time reading books, and my husband spent a lot of time reading books. Um, and we, I ended up taking, oh, my God, I was such a guinea pig. <laughs> I tried so many different things to try and figure out what was going to work. And it took a couple years of trial and error before, some, before I finally started um, even feeling a little bit better. I was doing candida cleanses, and I was doing, like, detoxes and fasting and pretty much every health thing you can think of that's a fad. <laughs> I tried it, and, of course, none of it worked. Um, the thing that finally did work is changing my diet um, really significantly. And also, um, I, I found several nutritional supplements that during the early stages um, when nothing in my body was working right actually helped kind of get me back on track. Um, and the two big ones were um, tryptophan to normalize sleep because I was not, I never went into that really deep healing sleep where your body fixes itself. Um, and that, I think personally, my theory is that that's why fibromyalgia has so much intense muscle pain mm -hmm. is because all those micro tears that happen in your muscles every day, 
um, the, if you don't ever get to deep enough sleep, they never get fixed. So you right. just get sore and sore and sore. And the other thing was magnesium malate. And the reason that my husband and I think it worked, um, he did a lot of research into mitochondria because he had read that Chinese medicine sees fibromyalgia and fatigue as a blood disease. But then he read some obscure, <laughs> some obscure text. I have no idea where he found it, where some Western doctor was looking at um, Chinese medicine and saying, oh, when they say blood disease in Chinese medicine, they're talking about your mitochondria not working. And uh, he did a lot of research into mitochondria, and one of the things he discovered is that magnesium malate, which actually hadn't been out of, as a supplement for very long, um, what the malic acid in magnesium malate does is it um, it gives your body a whole bunch of, of um, molecules that it can dump electrons in, and your mitochondria, when they're not working well, they're tending to produce extra electrons. And they have no place to dump them. And so it interferes with their functioning. So taking those two supplements at the same time that I was changing my diet to a healthier diet um, really turned the corner for me. I went from not being able to walk a block without wanting to throw up to being able to go for like an hour-long walk. Wow. That's that's fabulous. And how, like, once you – first of all, how long did it take you to get to the realization um, – that or or the uh, this combination of therapies that you decided to use from the time that you said okay Western medicine can't help me um, you know had you seen anybody who was considered a naturopath or a nutritionist or otherwise complementary or alternative practitioner? Well, at the time I was living in a very small town in Missouri <laughs> before my husband's job, um, so the doctor who diagnosed me was pretty much the best I could get without driving um, several hours to St. Louis. Right. Okay. So, so for a while there, I was just experimenting on my own. I would go, was going to to another town for to that had a health food store, and first I just tried stuff off the shelf like maybe a detox, maybe candida cleanse, maybe this thing will help me, maybe if I fast. Um, and then, um, at the same time that I was doing this, my husband, um, at the time was a vegetarian and he just kept saying, you have to change the way you eat. You have to change the way you eat. And I just reached a point of despair where I was like, I'm going to have to change the way I eat because nothing else is working. Um, and of course he was right. I didn't end up going vegetarian. I discovered that, um, for me, um, I have a lot of Northern European ancestors who ate a lot of meat and dairy. Um, I, I just don't do well on a vegetarian diet. Most people um, don't, too. And and it's it's kind of sad that most people, when they think of cleaning up their diet, doesn't matter what kind of they have in their diet, they always target meat as the thing to come out. So so I applaud right. you for, for recognizing that eliminating meat is not always and, and very frequently is not the answer. Um, well, and I discovered that eating better meat yeah, made a exactly. huge, huge difference. I went from from just eating, you know, like ground beef and right. like the cheap ground beef <laughs> that you get at the grocery store and a lot of chicken. Um, and I started doing a lot of food journaling and I discovered as I started really paying attention to how I felt, um, like maybe 30 minutes after a meal and then right. maybe an hour after a meal, um, I started discovering that there were some things that I thought were fine that were just really bad for me. I don't yeah. eat um, I don't eat wheat most of the time anymore, just because I know how I'm going to feel two hours after I eat it, and I don't have like the intense 
reaction, I have a slight inflammation response. It's very mild and it's gotten milder as I've gotten healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I know it's like I look at a sandwich and other people are like, yay, sandwich. And I look at that and I'm like, yay, allergic reaction. Right. Um, so, so really getting in touch with what the food was doing to my body was a really important step. Right. Um, but I sucked at dieting. <laughs> um, I am like the worst dieter in the world. Um, and I didn't actually manage to improve my diet, um, ironically until I actually stopped dieting. And th- that kind of ties in with what you were talking about earlier with small steps. I can so relate to that. Um, just in terms of, of the, of I can't stick to a diet for a whole day, but I can eat a salad with lunch. Right. And I can eat an extra helping of green beans at dinner. Um, and I can eat the green beans first so that I am less interested in the things that are not as good for me by the time I get to that part of my plate. Right. Absolutely. And uh, th- that's where I think it becomes overwhelming for some people. Now, every, you know, everybody has a different personality. Some people, they need to go cold turkey or else they will never get to their goal. You know, because it's easy. You know, for example, if they know that they can't have the sandwich, it's easy to say, well, I'll just have the sandwich today because I believe in everything in moderation. And next thing you know, they're eating six sandwiches a week. Right. So, so cold um, turkey is okay? Yes, cold turkey is just fine. That's awesome because I like turkey. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just was feeling left out, so I had to yeah, I know. I, I check know. myself into there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, shutting up now. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's what you're here for, comic oh, relief. Okay. Comic relief. Uh, so how long, once you started or stopped dieting, how long did, you, t- did it take for you to start seeing changes? Because, uh, you know, uh, this is now going into a place where you're saying that you know, you're not going as fast. You're not going whole hog, putting, you know, jumping in. I don't know. I'm looking for different ways of saying the same thing, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. Um, well, and I had like four years of being undiagnosed. And then I had a couple of years where I was just like trying everything I could think of. Even if it didn't seem to be related, I tried it. Um, and then I, I started changing my diet around year six um, and started taking those two nutritional supplements um, and the approach I started taking with my diet, um, where I was just like, I can't stand the idea of dieting, but I am going to eat a decent breakfast. And for a while there, I just focused on eating a decent breakfast, trying to get like some eggs and some fruit into me or um, trying to make soup and having soup for breakfast instead of having cereal. Um, just like just just trying to make one meal good. And of course, once, I mean, I, I know you've probably seen this when you work with other people. Once you have that one thing that's helping you out a little bit, it makes you strong enough to do the next thing. So once I got breakfast down, then I started saying, okay, I'm not going to try and fix lunch, but I'm just going to make sure I try and have a salad or a vegetable with lunch. And I'm going to eat that first. Right. And so eventually, um, as that improved my energy levels, it took away the mental fog that I was experiencing with fibromyalgia. Then I had the willpower and the energy to start doing other things. Like, for example, I looked at my sugar intake, and I knew my sugar intake was just ridiculous. I was eating, when I finally got brave enough to measure it, I was eating about 300 grams of sugar a day. Holy moly. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and and uh, when, you do, when you say sugar, do you mean literally cane sugar, or do you mean sugar from juices and fruits and carbs? Every- 
Uh, well, I wasn't looking at I wasn't looking at starchy carbs. I was just looking at like sugar and juice and anything that has been added okay. that I didn't necessarily need to eat. And I was but that's that. an important distinction because I think a lot of people hearing that they're like, "Well, I don't eat that much sugar," but they don't realize that they eat the equivalent <laughs> in OJ. You know, <laughs> right? Right. I counted the orange juice. I counted the fruit. I counted. Um, I counted anything that had fruit added to it. I counted the sugar in that. Um, and so I was like, I was afraid to measure it. And then I finally made myself do it. And then I was like, Oh my God, I'm in such deep trouble. <laughs> um, but again, I like some people can cut sugar, cold Turkey. I was not able to do that. Um, I never have been able to stick to anything like that. But what I ended up doing was saying, well, look, I'm eating 300 grams of sugar now how different is my diet going to be if I eat 250 grams of sugar a day, right? right? And so I started looking for ways to substitute. Like, for example, I used to love peanut M&Ms. And I just, like, I, I had a desk that was close to the vending machine, which sucked. Um, and I just could not resist at 2 o'clock going out to the vending machine every day and getting a package of M&Ms. Right. But then I thought, okay, what is M&Ms? What do I really love about it? Is it the candy shell? Not so much. It was the chocolate and peanuts. So I went out and I bought some dry roasted peanuts that hadn't been salted. And I bought chocolate chips. And I said, okay, I'm going to eat an equivalent amount of peanuts and chocolate chips. And so I did that for a while, which took my sugar down a little bit, like maybe 10 grams. Uh, And so then I started um, substituting more peanuts than chocolate chips. I, I kind of shifted away from the chocolate and more towards the peanuts. And that cut my sugar down a little bit more. And then I started adding almonds to the mix. So at the beginning, I was eating a bag that was about 50% chocolate chips and 50% peanuts. And by the end of it, I was basically eating a trail mix that had a few chocolate chips in it. And it took several months for me to make that progression and kind of train myself to get used to eating less sweet and less sweet and less sweet. Um, And I did that with a lot of other things where I started out with, okay, I really, really love these cookies. I love making these cookies. These cookies represent childhood to me (laughs) or whatever, you know. Um, And so I started looking for ways like how could I make this with less sugar? Could I make the cookie smaller and be happy with a smaller cookie? Um, And eventually over time, it does take time. It's not going to happen right away. But if you just gradually cut your sugar a little bit and then a couple weeks later cut it a little bit more, I'm down right now to where I eat about 15 grams of sugar in a day. Wow. Um, which is the, I think it's the American Diabetic Association for Keeping Your Pancreas Healthy. That's their recommendation. Okay. And on bad days, I go up to 24, which is the um, American Heart Association's recommendation. <laughs> um, you know, because sooner or later, I'm going to be at a party and I'm going to have half a cookie. <laughs> No, I just think it's so funny how, you know, all of these different uh, associations, they can't really agree on numbers and... And they have their own. They have their own definitions as well of what constitutes a sugar and so yeah. on. So just kind of, of course, I just find right. it. I just find it a little bit laughable that that they I, don't even have a standard. I've just never heard anybody say "follow your pancreas." Though, you know? <laughs> I've, I've heard, you know, "follow your heart," but I've never heard anyone say "follow your pancreas." Well, well, well now, now you can say you've lived a full life. <laughs> Having seen what diabetes has done to a couple members of my family, I strongly recommend following your pancreas. Following your pancreas, got it. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I would, you know, as a, a you know general layman and in my role as the before guy, um, I, you know, I'd be interested to know, like, can you give people an idea 
of if they're making these kind of small changes in their diet, how long should they do this to expect to see any kind of result? If 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 there is going to be a change, you know, how long do they have to stick with this before they can judge the results of of the move? Well, there's good news and bad news, Jim. Okay. <laughs> the the bad news is that is it takes months. Um, it's if you're if you're eating 300 grams of sugar like I was every day, and then you switch to 250, you don't immediately see a big boost in your health. Um, and then you get down to 200, you still don't see an immediate boost in your health. Um, it takes time to get down to the level where you're noticing a big difference in your health. But here's the good news: it requires almost no willpower, and willpower is the thing that trips us up when we try and go on a diet. You don't have to sit there and resist the cookie. You can say, today I'm eating three quarters of a cookie instead of a full one. And I'm giving the other quarter to someone else or I'm throwing it away or whatever. Um, so you're instead of having to go cold turkey, which some people can do, I can't. Um, instead of doing that and feeling deprived and feeling like you're punishing yourself, um, you're still allowing yourself to have treats, but you are gradually over time scaling those treats into other things. Um, there was a time where if you handed me a dried cherry that has not been sweetened with apple juice or sugar, just a plain old cherry and a square of dark chocolate, I would have been like, what is this? Is this a joke? <laughs> now I consider that to be an awesome dessert. Uh, but it took me it took me more than a year to train myself out of thinking that the really super sweet stuff was good because your taste buds will adapt over time, but you have to give them time to adjust. And you have to have faith that it's going to be worth it in a year when you've gone from 300 grams to 15 grams of sugar every day. So it's probably a good idea if, if people who aren't used to doing this uh, make, you know, sort of make a schedule or something so that they're hitting a, um, they're hitting a reward. In other words, it's... Like it's, a goal sheet. Yeah, or a goal sheet for sure. But I mean, also, you know, in six months I'm going on a cruise. I want to feel better for that. Absolutely. If you can, whatever you can do to motivate yourself is great. If you can afford to do that, that's fantastic. Um, also, but also thinking about like the personal things, like one of the things that really bothered me um, when I was at my worst with fibromyalgia, um, I had two young stepdaughters and I was so sick that I just, I did my best and I took good care of them, but there were so many things I could not do with them. And I just looked at that and said, I don't ever want to go back to being that sick. I don't want to ever go back to being in that position of, of not being able to do the things that are important to me. Um, so, and we all have something that's important to us. And if you have any health problems at all, that thing that's important to you <laughs> can be better or can be something that you do more often if you're healthy. It's funny. Someone said just this week, and it really reverberated with me for personal reasons, they said, when you find out what you're willing to suffer for, you'll know what your purpose in life is. <laughs> and for so, I think it's true. And for so many of us, it's our kids. Mm -hmm. You know, we we can just do that, and and they are great motivators. That is certainly true. Adrian, yes, I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I agree. <laughs> I'm just checking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was I was thinking of something to say, and now you just shook it right out of my head, Jim. That's what I do. But. You know, we're, we're, we're coming up on time here, so is, is there any, you know, I know that you wanted to ask, um, you know, about any quick tips that people can implement to, to are there any, um, Lynn, are there any shortcuts here that people can do for quick rewards? 
And we're well, not hacking I, here, okay, Jim? <laughs> I think that varies by person, really. Um, because for me, um, one of the things that had a huge impact was starting to, uh, once I took those two supplements and started getting my, my body working again where it was starting to heal itself, um, and then having more nutrition in my diet from real food so that there was something to heal with. Um, one of the things that really paid off for me in a big way was starting to go for a longer walks with my husband. And there's so many different small, beneficial, synergistic things that happen when you exercise um, that, that just going for a short walk every day for a week, all of a sudden the next week I would see a huge boost. Um, right now I'm doing interval training. Um, I am not in amazing shape. I've mostly been doing really gentle exercise, and I'm starting to get into the intense stuff. I feel this incredible boost of energy about 30 minutes after I do a short interval. Like we're talking 30 seconds of really intense exercise, and that's it. And I'm not even doing four intervals like they recommend. I'm just doing one just to kind of get myself started. Um, So for you, if you start experimenting with small changes, you are going to find that one of them is probably going to pay off more than the others, but it kind of depends on where you are health-wise. Are you in great shape exercise-wise, but are you eating Kraft macaroni and cheese three times a day? Cutting out a couple helpings of macaroni and cheese might be the thing for you. Um, whereas if you were like me, cutting out the sugar and getting to the point where I was eating less sugar and I was um, also eating more fiber with the sugar so that the sugar doesn't get absorbed as quickly. Even when I was eating higher doses of sugar, if I was eating salad and vegetables first, I didn't get as much of a blood spike. And that paid off for me in terms of like less mental fog and more energy. So it kind of depends on where you are. I know that's probably not the answer you're looking for. No, I, I think that's a great answer. I, I mean, we don't make the connection. We don't make the, the human machine connection. Uh, you know, we know that there are certain things that we need to do for our cars to continue to work and, and hold their resale value. Um, the And yet with the body, even though, you know, it's been how many years? 40 years since, you know, since National Geographic did that wonderful special, you know, the human body, the incredible machine. Uh-huh. That, you know, the, the average person doesn't have that understanding that it is a machine. So if it's not getting the right fuel... If it's not getting the right, you know, care and, and, and servicing, you're going to run into problems with it. Exactly. And in terms of, like, finding out what your payoff is, if you're able to keep a food diary, and don't just write down, here's what I ate. Wait half an hour, set your iPad or your iPhone to go off in half an hour. Go back to your diary and write, I feel whatever, bloated, uh, swollen, puffy, tired, Uh, lethargic, confused, whatever you feel. Um, And don't even try to judge what you're writing down. Just like whatever you feel that comes to your mind, do it like half an hour after you eat and then maybe do it a couple hours after you eat. And if you do that for a couple weeks, you're probably going to identify those big payoffs because those will be the things you ate that made you feel sick afterwards. Right, yeah. And uh, there's also, you know, other things that can show up even as much as four days later. So you may see uh, a connection you know, over you know, a few weeks where you say, oh, well, I had you know, rice on Monday, and then on Thursday, I started breaking out in a rash. Hmm. <laughs> you know, like, no, seriously, I mean, it, it happens. And uh, that's, that's oh, yeah. incredibly, you know, and uh, you talked earlier about uh, going through candida uh, 
train cleansing, which actually I'm, I'm really curious to know what the heck you ate on that. <laughs> if you didn't really make the food changes till later. Um, but you know, the, with candida always comes food allergies. So, uh, yes. you know, when people have food allergies, many times doctors misdiagnose and they say, Oh, you're, you're perfectly fine. And uh, really what they're, testing for is the immediate reactions, not the ones that show up three or four days down the road. Yes. And I was allergy tested for all the foods that I avoid now because they make me feel, they make me feel gross or tired or confused or whatever. Um, and I tested as not allergic to any of them. Yeah. And, and I'm like, okay, fine. It's not an allergy, but it's not a good food for me. So right. I'm not eating it. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So there's, there's a lot of discrepancy there. And, um, on that note, I wanted to just uh, mention that Lynn does have a course called Small Steps to Healthy Eating. Uh, you can find the link for that on our website at uh, nutritionheretic.com forward slash likes forward slash small dash steps. So you can uh, you can uh, give give it a test run for, for only a buck. Is that correct? That's correct. And uh, it is a... Uh, it's not a quick program. It's not like sign up in, and in three weeks you're going to lose 21 pounds or anything crazy like that. Um, it's a six-month program, and every week I just give you uh, I give you one step. It's like this week you're just going to do this one thing, <laughs> and you're going to try and do it every day this week, and you're going to see how it makes you feel. And then next week I'm going to give you a different thing to try, and you won't necessarily keep all the steps. You have, um, you have six months of steps. Uh, four or five per month, and you might decide that only half of them work for you. You might decide that instead of eating whole grains, you don't want to eat any grains. Um, and that's fine. That's I, I don't tell you what to eat. That, that's <laughs> I exactly what, what I, I was just about to say. You're right, exactly. I was just about to, to make that comment. What's good about this is that no matter what kind of diet you feel you should be on or you want to try out to you know, uh, figure out what's going on in your body, it all adapts. So she's not saying you have to eat this way, you have to eat that way. Obviously, you don't want to you know, eat just like little Debbies and Funyuns all the time. So, uh, but you know, she's, so she's not telling you that you can do that. Uh, but you know, whatever changes you need to make, and it can be in, really in any area of your life, not just it, when it comes to food. Um, although your focus is food, but it could be like you said before exercise or something else like that. So that's one of the, the, the advantages of this program is that it's quite universal. Absolutely. And I have used this same process that I teach for improving your diet. I have used it to clean my house because I hate cleaning. I have used <laughs> it to start exercise program. I hate exercise. I have used it to start all sorts of projects that I wouldn't normally do. I used it to make myself paint um, when I had to repaint. Uh, our bedroom was terrible and, and it needed repainting and I just didn't want to do it. Um, there's If you've got the willpower and the motivation and the time to do something in a big step, then great, do it in a big step. But if you don't have enough willpower or you are feeling totally overwhelmed and you don't know where to start, stepping back and figuring out what like the first small step you could take in that direction is a way to get started. And it helps you build momentum. And that's 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 really my approach to everything in life at this point. <laughs> it Good. saved my life. It, it cured my fibromyalgia. It, it got my house in order where my house was livable. Like all the things that I have never been good at because I don't have a lot of willpower, the small step approach takes care of that for you because it doesn't require a lot of willpower to change one tiny thing. 
Right, right. Just just to do it, doing it uh, in little ways until it becomes habit. Exactly. And I, th- I think that people that, you know, I don't think that we should talk about, I think most of us, the majority of us, don't have that extreme willpower. And I, and people always talk about, I have amazing willpower. And for me, when someone says that, what I hear is, I'm completely manic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm a very controlling individual. And <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm not sure that willpower, you know, I think that willpower has got a much better PR than it really deserves. Because I think most people with exceptional willpower are, you know, just this side of nut bar. Well, and there's been a lot of research on willpower. Um, uh, there's a great book, Willpower, by uh, Roy Baumeister and I think John Tierney. They're psychologists who specialize in studying it. And what they've discovered is you only have so much of it. It's linked to your physical vitality. You exhaust it every time you try and exert self-control, whether that's biting your tongue when someone is being a pain in the ass or whether it's making a decision. Um, so no matter how good you are with willpower, you still have to manage it because at the end of the day, you can run out of it. And once you run out of it, everything is, is on the table, right? Yeah, you, you snap, <laughs> right? Yeah. Sure. Or, or you decide to go out and party until two in the morning or you just, whatever it is that you're not good about doing unless you are exerting willpower. Once you, once you run out, those things go away. And the only way that I have found to fix that is to to turn all those things I need to do into habits that don't take any willpower. And the small steps approach is how you build a habit. Great awesome. advice. Yay. Great all advice. All right. All right. Well, uh, I think we're going to have to wrap up soon, aren't we? Yeah. Jimbo. Uh, you know, thank you so much, Lynn, for being here. Lynn Johnson. Uh, and remember, uh, Adrian, can you give the uh, web address again if they want to uh, uh, connect with Lynn? Uh, they can go to nutritionheretic.com forward slash likes forward slash small dash steps. And we're going to have uh, all of this stuff on um, on the website anyway uh, that you can just you can just go and you can uh, get the replay of this as yeah. well as yeah. the links you, mentioned. And, of course, we should mention that we're also now on iTunes. So you Woo-hoo! can check us out on iTunes. Yeah, just do a search for Nutrition Heretic. And if you have any questions about the show, if you would like to be a guest on the show, or if you have someone in mind who you would like us to have as a guest on the show, please drop by the Nutrition Heritage website, drop us a note, and uh, we will be in touch. Yes, and uh, when you're at iTunes, by the way, we would love a review, particularly if you enjoyed the show. Please review us, tell all your friends, all your relatives, and make them listen to us, because we know who you are. (laughs) thanks everybody all right thank you thank you so much lynn it was a blast talking to you oh thanks for having me it was a pleasure